Are you new to homeschooling or need a refreshing look at some basic ideas that will help you get focused for the year? Today, I have the privilege of interviewing a great homeschooling veteran, Maureen Whitman, in a two-part episode that will calm your fears, inspire you, and give you confidence for this great adventure. Stay tuned for Homeschooling 101, Part 1. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hey, I'm Lisa Maladnik. It's great to be back in our first episode of Season 2 of Homeschooling Saints. I'm really excited to be back. And really, because there are so many new people homeschooling, I'm super excited to unpack in two parts with Maureen Whitman just some basics, Homeschooling 101. Today, we're going to touch on some natural ways to think about homeschooling and avoid some of the stressful thinking that always kicks in when we're trying something new, right? Uh, Maureen, I'm going to introduce you and then... uh, We'll get started. Maureen is a wife, a mother of seven children, and grandmother of seven. She is co-editor and contributing author of A Catholic Homeschool Treasury from Ignatius Press, The Catholic Homeschool Companion from Sophia Institute Press, and Why Should I Learn This from Ece Homo Press. She is the author of For the Love of Literature, also from Ece Homo. She's grateful for all the homeschool parents who have helped her over the years and works to give back to the community through Homeschool Connections. You can find Maureen at MaureenWhitman.com. She's around on social media, too, and so much fun. Welcome to the program, Maureen. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. So good to be here. Yeah, we always have fun. Uh, Yeah, start us (laughs) off just by uh, a few words about how to think about our role as potential homeschoolers. Well, you know... No one knows your child better than you, right? I would say you are the expert in your child, in your children. Um, So many of us look to experts all the time, right? And I would say you're the expert. You're the one who knows your child best. And so you are the primary educator. You are going to do what you need to do to make sure your child is well-educated, you know, story I had shared with you earlier, Lisa, about my son, my oldest son, who's severely dyslexic. Um, so when he was a little guy and he wasn't learning to read and we were really struggling, uh, I was told by our local public school that I should expect that he would never read beyond fourth grade level. Oh, wow. Because his dyslexia was so severe, right? And so that's what the experts told me. <laughs> but I didn't accept that. You know, I thought, I'm not just going to accept that and walk away. So I did a bunch of research. I learned about Orton-Gillingham, which is a proven method for teaching dyslexic children. I uh, reached out to the Michigan Dyslexia Association. I found a tutor, someone who taught me how to teach my son. You know, he didn't take off reading till he was 10. It was a very long and slow process. But you know what? By the time he was 13... He was reading at college level. So fooey on those people who <laughs> said he'd never read past fourth grade level. <laughs> right. he, he, you know, he's a 30-year-old man, and he's a nurse practitioner. He's, you know, graduated with honors from college. He loves to read. He still reads. I mean, he's in the middle of reading The Hobbit yet again right now. So 
Um, you know, my encouragement to parents is no one knows and loves your child as well as you. And you do have what it takes to teach them. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. Thank you. That's such a perfect story because so much of why many of us homeschool is because we didn't want to just subject our children to the labeling um, and, and the kind of factory mentality that all students are the same and should be educated the same. Your child thrived because you didn't accept a label. You didn't accept a prophecy of doom based on whatever their model was that didn't fit your child. Well, and on top of that, I could teach them one-on-one. So there was, you know, that's their hands are kind of tied in the public school setting, aren't they? Because they can't teach one-on-one. They don't have those kinds of resources. He could only learn one sound, new sound a week. And I had to read out loud to him all, all of his other subjects. And he could only handle lessons at 20 minutes at a time. And then I would lose them. So to do that in a public school setting or a private, any school setting with a large classroom, it just isn't possible you know they, they have limitations and um, even though he's the oldest of seven children I was able to work in that one-on-one time with him and make it work I'm just thinking as much as I think every mother and father listening or grandparent listening is thinking yeah you're right we have better instincts than the system and we can give them our love and our attention but what if we're a little scared. What if we think we're just not cut out to homeschool? We're not capable somehow of doing what you did. Well, welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> um, we all feel that way. And I felt that way. The whole, I mean, I, I still feel that way. You know, I, I just graduated <laughs> my youngest. And um, even that last year, after 25 years homeschooling him, I wondered, you know, are we going to get through this year? I've never homeschooled only one child. <laughs> you know, and it's almost easier, I think, to homeschool seven than just one. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> right? You know, there's there's some limitations to that. So yeah, you're not alone. We we all feel that we're not capable. And you know what? For me at least, it gave me the motivation. I think my best year homeschooling was the year I had all seven. Where my oldest was a senior, my youngest was in kindergarten. Because I was so worried I was gonna mess them up. <laughs> I really made sure I stayed on the ball. So, you know, just remember that, you know, even if you don't have a college degree, who taught your child how to walk, how to talk, (laughs) right? How to have good manners, how to love Jesus. You did that without the help of experts. You taught your child all those things. You took a child who could not speak and you taught him proper English. <laughs> so, you know, you got this, you know, you, you can do this. And, and granted, there will be times when you do need to reach out for help, right? I mean, there are times when there, for, okay, so for example, my great failure as a Catholic home educator is Latin, <laughs> I just, right. I could not teach Latin. I am not a language person. And um, yeah, my first two kids, if you say Latin in front of them, they just run screaming. So, <laughs> but, so I got the clue. By the time I got to the third one, uh, I got it. I hired a tutor 
And, you know, in fact, she was able to totally test out of Latin when she went away to Catholic college. Uh, one of my kids was doing D-level work. I, he was not making it. And so I brought in a private tutor. She came to my house once a week, uh, worked with each of the kids, you know, maybe like 20 minutes each. And she took him from D-level work in one semester to winning the National Latin Prize. Wow. So... Right. So I ended up hiring her for Homeschool Connections. She's our master Latin teacher. <laughs> now, how old was she when she was tutoring your children? Oh, early 20s. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they must have loved her. Oh, yeah. Well, especially the boys. She's super cute. <laughs> <laughs> Take note, parents. Cute tutors. <laughs> cute tutors. Young, so they're cheap. And then <laughs> Exactly. You know, or, or maybe you have connecting with other families where, you know, one mom is helping is teaching one subject and you're teaching another subject, you know, there, there are ways to get around those tough subjects. Um, you know, if you're trying to teach calculus to senior, you know, you can take an online class. You can, maybe there's a dad in your homeschool group who could teach that um, really connect with other families, other parents and create an exchange, you know, um, you know, Lisa, you and I were talking the other day, and I told you about my friend, Becky. Becky was one of my mentors when I started homeschooling, just one of those moms who really held my hand and helped me. And I would look at her homeschool, and, you know, they're just super creative people, right? They paint, and they make music. She has a degree in music, but both her and her husband have art degrees. And I would just think, oh, I'm such a horrible homeschooler compared to Becky. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day she says to me, oh, my gosh, Maureen, compared to you, I'm such a horrible homeschooler. <laughs> all those things you do, like literature and history and, you know, all those projects you guys do. And we just laugh so hard. I'm thinking, well, Becky, I was thinking the same thing, only that you were the good homeschooler and I was the bad homeschooler. So... You know, we all have different gifts, and you're not a failure. Focus on those gifts, um, and if you need help, find someone else with the gifts where you, that you don't have, and, and you can work with each other. <laughs> yeah, and can you describe uh, one way that you helped each other? Well, so Becky, um, her kids were in our history. We had a little history co-op in our living room. So we had this living room co-op for, oh, goodness, I think 15 years we did this every Thursday. We had three or four families come, and, you know, some of those families kind of came and went over the years, but it was pretty much the same core group of families. And, and I taught history to the kids, and I taught them all as a unit. So we all learned the same era together. So, like, we did a whole year of ancient kindergarten through high school. And so we're all learning the same thing, but at different levels, and, you know, and the other moms would watch my littles, you know, the preschoolers, maybe take them all outside to play while I'm working with the older kids. And, um, and then Becky, she got us involved in um, Renaissance Music Group, which I would have never had the courage to do on my own. And, you know, they played authentic Renaissance music. And, oh, the first class, we, the first group we went to, I'm thinking they're going to learn like nursery rhymes, right? Here we're coming with no musical talent experience at all. You know, I thought they'll probably like play the recorder and play some simple stuff. Oh, no. They were learning songs in like 
three-part, four-part harmony and foreign, like Italian or French, you know. I thought, what? (laughs) We get out to the car and I'm thinking my kids are going to be like, we're not doing that again. It was just the opposite. The kids kids said, we can't wait to go back next week. You know, kids rise to the challenge, right? They had to learn the pavan. So when they, they did a concert twice a year, so they would do like these Renaissance dances and sing and do the recorder. Oh, Wow. I would have never dreamed, I would have never been able to do that on my own. Mm. Now that's, that's lovely. But what about when, like all our friends have their kids in a regular school and we feel like we, we just can't do everything the school can do? What's, how do we think yeah, about well, that? Well, the school can't do everything either. So there's that. <laughs> there's holes in every education, right? There's no way. It's not possible to teach everything to everybody. Um, you know, my husband works for charter schools. I can tell you that most schools do not finish the textbook and they don't set, teach everything they set out to teach. It's just not possible. And so there's holes in every education. The goal needs to be as home educators to create a joy and a love for learning. We want to create lifelong learners so that when they do leave our homeschools, and they need to learn something, they can. They know how to learn. They have a desire to learn. They have um, a foundation of discovery. So that to me is the goal is not stuffing facts into their little heads. It's to create a joy in learning. And that's what's going to make you a success. So you, mom... (laughs) you know need to find the joy yourself I think kids right emotions are contagious and if I view my homeschool as drudgery as something I don't want to do how do you think the kids are going to react you know but if you approach your school day as I can't wait to learn this beside you it's going to make all the difference in the world and say a few words to Maureen, because you are such an advocate of reading aloud to your children. Just, just um, kind of focus that in on that just for a moment before we move on, because I know that's such an important part of what you it do. It is. And, and, and it's something that you can add to your homeschool and makes all the difference in the world. So just 10 minutes a day, reading aloud to your children. Um, one thing I did when my kids were little, which I got from Laura Burquist's book, Design Your Own Classical Curriculum. Um, each day I would read a Bible story to the kids. And then the next year we did saint stories. So I just read this short little story. They would retell the story and draw a picture. It takes 10, 15 minutes to do that exercise. Tell a saint story, Bible story, retell the story, draw a picture. Um, one of my children who has a speech impediment, um, had to have some testing done because of the speech impediment. And they came back and said, we have never had anyone score so high on um, reading comprehension. What do you do? So I told myself, well, I read little saint story, Bible story every morning. She retells the story, draws a picture. They've never had anyone score so high before. Just that little exercise. So, you know, if you're a mom doubting yourself, little things like that just make all the difference, you know? Reading aloud, children who read aloud have higher vocabulary, 
are children who are read aloud to. They have higher vocabulary. Um, they they have um, better grammar skills, all that because they're hearing language. They have better language skills. Plus, it creates a bond between the parent and the child. You know, it it, it equates um, reading with joy, with happy. You know, because what little child doesn't love to sit on his mommy's lap and be read to? You know, and you let them pick the books, and as they get older, you let them read to you. Like, don't quit. You know, I read. We read to each other for years. You can have older children read to younger children. That simple little thing. If you just do that, yeah, you're gonna be pretty successful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really been dramatic for a lot of homeschoolers. Speaking of homeschoolers, what's a what's a way for us to really get ourselves oriented as we're getting started? What do you mean? Well, like, how do, how do we find our tribe? <laughs> find our tribe. <laughs> you know what? That's probably the most important thing you do is find your tribe, right? Because I, I, I talk to a lot of homeschooling families through my work. And I always say the first thing you need to do, number one, is connect to local community. It's the most important thing you do, really, um, for a lot of reasons. But first, how are you going to find them? Um, Go to your parish, ask your priest. Um, you know, last parish we were in, Father would always send the new homeschoolers to me. Be like, oh, you got to call this Maureen Whitman. <laughs> she homeschools, <laughs> you know. Um, and then when we moved to our new parish, Father told me, oh, you know, all the homeschoolers meet on first Fridays for mass. It's a great way to meet people. Um, the very first, when I first started homeschooling, way, way back 25 years ago, um, someone had told me, this is, Another yet another parish. <laughs> All the homeschoolers met in the Lansing area at this particular parish on first Fridays for mass, and then went to the park afterwards. So I went to this mass, and as I'm leaving, someone came up to me and said, "Are you a homeschooler?" Like we had it written all over us, I guess. And I'm like, "Well, I'm I'm thinking about it." You know, my my oldest was like four or five, and she will come to the park with us. We would love to have you. So we go to the park. And then they're like, oh, it's, it looks like it's going to rain. So we're going to go to Sue's house and um, have lunch. And I'm like, well, we're not really prepared for that. And, and it was cool when we had left in the morning and it was getting hot. And um, they're like, oh, don't worry. Come on. So we get there. Like she gave me T-shirts for the kids. They wouldn't be Aww. overheated. And they fed us. I'm like, these people are awesome. Where did you people come from? <laughs> <laughs> I was pregnant. And um, next thing I knew, you know, when the, a month later, I had my baby. I'd known these people such a short time. They're all bringing me meals. Wow. You know, and um, I didn't know the first thing about homeschooling. And so I just started asking questions, you know, like I was going to sign up for a program because I thought that was the only way to homeschool. And one of the moms are like, why would you pay all that money for kindergarten? Here's what you do, you know, and I just never looked back. You know, just those women, I mean, I'm where I'm at today because of that tribe. So you do got to find your tribe. And they may mean Googling the name of your city, homeschool support. It may just mean going to your parish and asking your pastor or the secretary, right? The church secretary knows everybody (laughs) Um, or him. Or just start going to daily mass. Take a Saxon math book with you wherever you go. Um, you have a Saxon math book, they'll know you're a homeschooler and people will just start talking to you. (laughs) 
you know, or go places during the day when everyone else is at school. Right? Just thinking in, in Jesus's, well, the early Christian, they used to draw that little fish symbol in the sand. Yeah, yeah. Now it's a Saxon math <laughs> it's book. It's a Saxon math book. <laughs> we had, we had uh, a couple of years, right, a child who was, um, had a lot of medical issues. So we did a lot of homeschooling in doctor's offices. And I met more homeschoolers during that time because they'd see me working on, on lessons with, you know, with the Saxon math book where it's real easy to do in, in a doctor's office. <laughs> You wouldn't believe how many people I met. So do connect with those local people. They'll tell you what works. And plus it gives you the opportunity, especially like let's say you have a spouse who isn't quite on board. Um, It gives you the opportunity to meet these families and say, oh, these people aren't so weird. They're actually pretty awesome. (laughs) But also, you know, you can see what works, what doesn't, and, and get connected with any clubs. So, you know, around here we have a homeschool sports league that plays against the public and private schools. We have an amazing um, drama arts group. We have symphony and band, just all kinds of cool things. So, you know, connect with those local homeschoolers to find all the things, because homeschooling takes less time. So if you're done at noon, what are you gonna do afternoon? <laughs> right. You know, go do sports. You know, what, what does your family love? Um, you know, are you into sports? Are you into art? Are you into music? And um, connecting with those local homeschoolers will help you find those niches that are they're going to really take your homeschool to the next level. Yeah, every time I talk with you, Maureen, you express so much gratitude for the homeschool community that supported you. I know that means a lot to you. It does. Yeah. In fact, and I'm going to... It always makes me tear up when I think about it. That's how much it means. That's how much it meant to me. Those women, I have, I, you know, because I had been out of the church a long time. So about the time I became, started homeschooling was also not too long after I came back to the church. And I just had never met people like that before. And just made me a, not just a better homeschooler, but a better Catholic and a better mother, a better wife. Yeah. Yeah, and and just as a a little plug, I know you're not looking for it, but Homeschool Connections' mission is giving back to that community, and I know you're very passionate about that. Well, yeah, I mean, a big part of how Homeschool Connections got started was because in our local community at the time, we had just moved away from Lansing, and about half of our moms and dads were putting their kids into school when they got to high school. And if that's what they wanted to do and that's what's best for their kids, you know, no problem with that. But most of them did not. Most of them wanted to keep homeschooling, but they did not feel equipped. So, yeah, that's, that was a big part of my passion of getting this started and running it. And so why don't we just segue into this feeling that we have, like, if we're going to use homeschool connections, if we're going to get together with our friends and stuff, are we trying to recreate the school environment? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we we, right, because that's what we know. That's what we typically do. So, you know, when I first started homeschooling the first year, you know, I found some school desks at a garage sale. I think they were like a dollar, $2 each. And so I had, I had my whole, my living room set up like a classroom with the, with the chair, with the school desks. And I made the kids raise their hand to go to the bathroom. And 
mean, we basically were recreating a school day. I don't know, that lasted a few weeks. And I thought, this is crazy. We don't need to do this. We can school on the couch. We can school on the, on the um, kitchen table, you know, et cetera. So I ended up selling those desks at my own garage sale <laughs> later on. <laughs> so, no, you don't have to recreate school. And you don't have to recreate curriculum either. Um, one big question I get from parents is, do I need to go to my public school and see what they're teaching? And then teach that, model that. No, you can you can um, create either create your curriculum or adjust your curriculum so that it fits your child. So you know what are your child's special interests? Maybe your child has um, special needs. Either they're accelerated, or you know there are areas where they struggle, like a child with dyslexia or a child with ADD, where ADHD, where maybe you can only do lessons for twenty minutes and then they need to take a break. Um, you can switch things up. You don't have to follow the school model. There's all different ways to homeschool. There's no one way, you know, do what's best for your family or you're even within a, a family, you may homeschool different ch children a little bit differently because of special needs. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I know that you did a lot for your children around um, kind of what, what was important to your family. Like, what, what is your family life conducive to? Right, right. So, you know, like we're, I was saying that before, like, is it sports? Is it so, you know, my older kids did shooting sports. And so a lot of our school was revolved around, you know, we would travel to different parts of the country for competitions or different parts of the state. You know, during season, they might be at the shooting range every day. So homeschooling kind of had to revolve around that or you know, my son with dyslexia homeschooling had to, you know, was a, our homeschooling was affected by that. It, you know, there are a lot of things that are going to change up the way you do things. You may have a child who loves computer science. Well, you can get focused on that. Or unit, we did a lot of unit studies. So, you know, like I had little boys who loved dinosaurs. So like we would do a whole thing on dinosaurs, right? Math would be adding little dinosaurs and <laughs> literature would be dinosaur stories and art would be dinosaur pictures. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and they just learned so much because it was something fun. So yeah, yeah, look at what your passions are in addition to, you know, whatever special needs you have and yeah, it makes me think of a surfer because there's so much, there's a lot of muscle and intention that goes into it and you're balancing a lot. But at the same time, you're sort of riding the wave of, as you've put it in the past, your, your own family's priorities and needs and letting it kind of have its own shape and quality and character. Right. And, and faith life, you know, we haven't even mentioned that. And because it's funny, I, I forget that because it's such an integral part of who we are right? It's not an extra. It's just who we are. Um, but that's something else you need to consider. You know, faith can be brought into all subjects. And maybe you go to daily mass or, you know, maybe you pray the Angelus, maybe you, um, you know, introduce prayer life somehow into your homeschool. And, and how does your faith life look? You know, maybe you're volunteering at church or at the soup kitchen or for years we volunteered at the library at our, at our Catholic school, you know, they, we, we cleaned the library and then they let us check out whatever books we wanted. Yeah, so, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So, you know, how can you integrate, you know, and I'll tell you when, when the kids were little, 
when we were in Lansing, we were in this parish, which is now closed, sadly. But it was an elderly parish. It was mostly older people. So we were the young family. Oh, my goodness. Those old folks just loved it when they saw us at weekday mass. You know? And your kids can learn a lot from those, from elderly people. They have so much history and stories and wisdom. and um, Just getting out into the community. Because again, homeschooling takes what, way less time. And so everyone, what's the big question? What about socialization? <laughs> well, you've got more time to be out there volunteering at the soup kitchen, going to daily mass, meeting, you know, older folks and younger folks and in between folks. <laughs> and what would you say is a, is a way, because this all obviously sounds so beautiful. Whenever I listen to really veteran homeschoolers talk about homeschooling, we start to get this, this kind of almost romantic glow about it. But, <laughs> and it is true, you know, obviously, and we'll talk about this uh, in the next uh, episode about, you know, dealing with hard days, but how do we transition our kids out of that sitting in a school desk, regimented, busy, busy mindset into that beautiful dream that each family can create together. Yeah, you know, so my kids have always been homeschooled. Um, I never pulled them out of school. But I did have one child um, for various reasons who did go to a charter school part-time for high school. Um, that was a little different. That was at the other end. But the advice that I hear mostly from people, which seems to work in my discussion with homeschoolers, is that you need to, you do need to transition, right? It's it's so different, homeschooling from home. So, you know, you just got to give yourself time to get into that groove, you know. Um, you need to maybe step back a little bit. Maybe don't jump right into it right away. You know, maybe take some time to, maybe the first few weeks is mostly fun time. Maybe it's, if it's still safe, I mean, who knows what, what the near future with the semester brings is going to bring up to us, right, with, with the pandemic. Hopefully we can all get outside again. But maybe it means getting outdoors more, going to museums, connecting with other homeschool families. Maybe put learning aside for a few weeks and kind of de-school or unschool for a while. And, and just kind of get into the groove of being with one another because you're used to those kids being gone all day. And all of a sudden, they don't leave your house. They're there 24-7, <laughs> right? And, and, you know, rediscover the joy in learning. You know, one of the things I loved about homeschooling was learning beside my kids. You know, I, you don't need a college degree to teach fourth grade. You need fourth grade understanding. <laughs> So I would always I would read their books in the lessons a few weeks before I taught them. And I had so much fun relearning these things that I should have learned in school. And I was probably I spent a lot of time in the principal's office. <laughs> so <laughs> I missed I missed a few lessons. So <laughs> um so you know, discover the joy of learning yourself. I don't remember who it was. I think it was Father Perone who um who once said that if all your kids did all day was play cards, they, they would be better off or they would be more educated than <laughs> their site-based schooled friends. Uh, well, as long as you don't turn on the TV, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty crazy. It's a crazy thought. Um, but Father Hardin, he took it another step. And what he said was, if all you do is teach your children to love Jesus, 
in this church. If that's all you do, you're a success. So I heard him say this maybe almost 30 years ago because I was just thinking about homeschooling. I, I wasn't homeschooling yet. And Father Harden, if you don't know who Father John Harden is, he was a great intellectual, great academic. And um, I was kind of scandalized, right? I mean, what about academics, Father? <laughs> well, he went on to say, um, you know, children have natural curiosity. And if they really and truly love God and the world he made, they're going to want to know more about it. They're going to know more about the world that their creator made for them. God is the great imagination, right? And so that's going to lead them to want to learn about science. God is the author of science. God is the author of history. And, you know, God is orderly as math is orderly. So teach them to really love God and his church. And that's going to help you with math, science, history, and all the rest. You know, so, you know, if you're transitioning from a site-based school to homeschooling, that's a pretty radical thought, and it's pretty different. So give yourself time <laughs> to to come to get to know those things and and to spend quiet time together, or maybe even quiet time alone, right? I mean, you know, I was telling Lisa recently another story about one of my kids. I would make them sit out in the woods. <laughs> so we lived in the city, very urban area, but we had a little strip of woods behind the house because there was a creek back there, so they couldn't build. And I'd have them sit out there for 15 minutes alone each day, not each day, once a week. And they would have their little nature journal with them and just teach them to be in the quiet. You know, my, one of my children was out there one time and a deer walked right up to him because he was so quiet and he wasn't moving, you know? I mean, it's just something he still remembers to this day. And, and when children are in school, in a site-based school, they're constantly bombarded with visual stimuli, audio stimuli. Just, it's just constant. Um, I, I remember when my daughter was getting speech therapy and, and I was taking her to the school every day, that just really struck me how loud and visual it is. And so for me, one of the benefits of homeschooling was just to be able to experience quiet time. Um, my husband would take the kids on Saturdays to adoration. So that was my time to plan. I could do my homeschooling planning in quiet and he would take the kids. And, you know, one of my children shared not too long ago, that was one of the best things we ever did. Wow. You know, she just really appreciates it as an adult woman, a 26 year old woman that, her dad took her to adoration once a week. And you know how it is in adoration. You need to be quiet, <laughs> you know? So um, all those things I think will help you with that transition is, is to welcome the quiet, welcome, um, you know, that you don't need to do everything. Again, de-school, unschool for a little bit and just learn to, enjoy one another's company as you move into this new experience for your family. 
Maureen, thank you. We're just about out of time for today, but we're going to have you back next week and unpack more of kind of nuts and bolts and uh, resources and regulations and fun things like that. Uh. Um, But this has been just (laughs) lovely. Take us out with any final words on this. This has been so nice. Oh, gosh. Just, you know, I think we've said a lot here today, didn't we? I hope it's not too overwhelming for people. Just... um, Again, come to find the joy in learning besides your children and welcome this. See it as a new challenge. If you're homeschooling because of the pandemic, um, you may be feeling like you have no choice and that could cause, you know, you to feel some bitterness. So let go of that. Just let go of that. And probably the most important thing to do is take it before Jesus and really pray. If you can get to adoration, go to adoration and put it at our Lord's feet and um, really look for his guidance and what he wants you to do in your home and your family and your homeschool. Amen. Amen. Maureen can be found at MaureenWhitman.com and we'll have, uh, I've been taking notes as Maureen's been talking. So any resources that (laughs) popped up, I'll throw into the show notes and stay tuned again for next week's episode where we're going to go even deeper into homeschooling 101. Maureen, thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. You're such a joy to be with. I always love being with you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you, everybody. Thank you for being with us. That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.